teach them and explain and help them. You know what? It's a beautiful thing when the church does what it was intended to do. A place that people can be filled with the Holy Ghost, but then in turn, they can be taught, discipled, and then turn out, turn them out, send them out to go become evangelists and disciples and teach this world. Folks, that's what's that's what it's all about. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. True worshipers will become true disciples. And that's what he's after. Sunday school, you're dismissed today. They're chomping at the bits, boy. You can't see what I see by Judah. Bye-bye. about Sunday school. Pray for that nursery staff. They got, they got their work cut out for them with them kids. Some of them little two-year-olds. They, they are full of life. Full of life. Maybe we need to pray that Sister Natalie, Sister Kara stays full of the Holy Ghost. They can be a challenge, I know, and I thank God for the dedication of, of our teachers. That You don't ever hear them complain. I've never heard one complaint from one of those teachers about what they do. They, they love what they do, and uh, countless Sundays after Sunday doing the work of God. I thank the Lord for that. Remember this week as well. Uh, it's because of the Times Ministers Conference there in Alexandria, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So be, be prayerful about that. But men and women from all over the country and, and countries come in for that event. And uh, I want the Lord to, to help and to touch those that, that go to it and uh, strengthen them that they can go back to their field of labor. First Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy, chapter one. Second Timothy, chapter one. Second Timothy, chapter one. Remember tonight as well. Uh, we'll be having communion and foot washing tonight. Uh, so be in a prayerful uh, position today in, in preparation uh, for that coming coming up. Second Timothy, chapter one. Let's start with verse. Nine, <clears throat> who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Verse 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12 is where we're going to launch from. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Go back to verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know I have believed, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep. Father, bring me that iPad here real quick. To keep. The word keep means to preserve. Thank you. To preserve, to preserve. I want to read you another 
verse, same verse 12, but another translation. And this is why I'm suffering as I do. Verse 12. Still I'm not ashamed for I know, perceive, have knowledge of, and I'm acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on. And I am positively persuaded that he's able to guard and to preserve that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day. God's able to preserve what's committed to him. And I want to preach today the preserving power of God. If you would, lift your hands one more time and just ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, speak to our hearts today. Speak to our, our innermost being today, God. Let it not just be words that we say. Let it not just be something we just are here just to go through the motions. Impact, Lord. Touch hearts, minds, and spirit today. I ask it all in the name of Jesus for your glory and honor. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Timothy, pastor of the church in Ephesus, Paul uh, came and started uh, this church. And in his apostleship is what they did. They started and then turned it over to another more, uh, or not more dedicated, but another man dedicated to fulfill the, the finishing role uh, there in his stead. And Timothy was the one that he turned it over to. And you've got two books of Timothy. First, uh, Second Timothy. The first one is, is, is a pastoral. Uh, they're both pastoral epistles. And, uh, but the first one is more uh, Paul giving Timothy uh, just pastoral advice. And uh, talking to him of the, the things of, of the church and, and how to handle certain things. But 2 Timothy takes on a little different in nature, a different nature, and it's more personal to Timothy. Paul begins to, to talk to Timothy in a, on a more a level of identification. And uh, I know where you are, Timothy, type of position. And he starts it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, you know, for God's not given us the spirit of fear. And he talks about the faith that that Timothy possessed in his mother and grandmother. So you, you've got it from the very beginning. He's, he's trying to encourage this young pastor Timothy in, in this endeavor of Ephesus. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of, of it. I've, I've dealt with it before or talked about it, but I'll give you just a quick synopsis. Ephesians is the, the church in Ephesus is a church of uh, 50 plus thousand people. It's a huge church, and Timothy's dealing with all sorts of problems and issues there. Can you imagine 50,000 people trying to pastor it? But he had people underneath him helping him, and the, uh, on and so forth. And uh, the battles and the struggles that Timothy was facing, this is where uh, they dealt with the goddess Diana, and uh, the, the battle there with the people that created the idols, uh, or made these idols uh, of, of Diana. And what had happened to Timothy was is there, there was a, a fear and an, an intimidation that had begun to uh, get into Timothy's thinking. He began to uh, express this to Paul. And Paul picked up on it as his father in the gospel. Paul began to work with Timothy and try to encourage him and help him to understand. But there, you know, there's some things that even your words don't go as far as you want them to go. You encourage and you try to help and try to uh, bring people to a place of, hey, God's with you, God's for you, God's, God's there for you, and God's going to help you. But when you're looking at some of the most challenging times that you have ever faced before, you and I, and for that, Timothy, he was facing things that had never been faced before. 
situations and circumstances. There was no uh, real church structure up until this point other than what they had just laid out in the book of Acts and 15 and uh, chapter 15 and the, the church is newly uh, coming to fruition and the organization of it and the structure of it and th- there was really not a whole lot for him to turn to. Paul was the one that he was able to turn to. That was it. And Paul is doing the best he can to try to encourage this young pastor that what you're facing and what you're struggling, I I understand it. And Paul starts it in verse 9. He says, listen, we were called to this. There's something about when God begins to call an individual to something that they have never done before. You, you don't just wake up. I, I know with me, I, I didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to be a preacher today. I wasn't three and five years old preaching to the grass. Like Brother Ewan tells the story, he's cutting a lot grass, lawnmower. Behind the lawnmower, he's preaching to the grass at seven, eight, nine years old. I didn't do any of that, Brother Darrell. I, I had no aspirations for being a, a preacher, a desire, or a wanting. It wasn't even in my portfolio of thinking. But yet when God calls somebody, there's something about the call of God on individuals. Well, that's not just a call that's for preaching, but God calling people today that are saints of God. He's calling people to higher places, higher places of prayer, higher places of worship, higher places of relationship. And if God ever calls you to that place, rest assured there's a preserving power of God that will keep you in that calling. God is never going to call you to something and not give you the strength to fulfill what he's called you to do God wants to use people it ought to make us feel good he, you know he could use a rooster and a dog but he prefers people he prefers people we're the apple of his eye the creation that he loves the most and Paul starts telling him he's saying listen he's called us with a holy calling And he said, I didn't call you based on your ability. You and I being here today, we were called of God. God called you. God began to whisper your name in the midnight hour. You're, you're not here by accident this morning. You, you, the strength, you say, well, I did this on my own. No, he put the thought in your mind. You think the devil put the thought in your mind to come to church? Absolutely not. God put the desire. He put the, the thought. He put the feeling. He put the hope. He put the whole thing. Then he gave you and I the strength to come to the house of God. That's why it's to my best interest. Why? I want to use my strength to give him praise. I want to use my strength. If God called me here not just for me and that he wants to tell me something, I want to give something back to him. If he called me here, then I want to give him a praise. I want to give him something with my mouth saying, God, thank you for my health. Thank you, God, you gave me a clear mind that I can hear the word of God. I can understand the word of God I can do something to tell you how thankful I am for you so you're called not because you were special because you were intellectual but he said I've got a work for you to do my purpose I didn't call you because of your work I called you because of my work I called you because there's a job to do. That's why I say to somebody here today, it don't matter how far you've gone from God. It don't matter what you've done. I don't care if you shot and killed somebody. People may have trouble getting over it, but you hear me, God can get over it. God can forgive. God can restore. I don't care what you said. I don't care what you've done. Short of just blasphemy. Outside of that, God forgives and he's merciful. Why? There's a work that's got to be done. And God needs from the oldest to the youngest. I don't care how old you are. If you got breath in your body, you can do something for God. If you're seven, eight years Years old, and God can use anybody that's willing to be used. But you got to get this, Timothy. This is bigger than you. This ain't about your work. This ain't about your ability. This ain't even about Grandma Eunice and Lois. This ain't about your mama, your daddy. This ain't about how far you've gone from God or how close you are. This is about my work, my will. 
I need somebody to get this. I'm not, just, I'm not just rambling here this morning. I'm trying to get you to see how the preserving power of God works. When you're in his will, when you're doing a work for him, when you've entrusted your life and your heart to God, God says, I've got an ability to put a bubble around you that's going to protect you, that's going to keep you, that's going to lead you where you got to go, that's going to give you strength when you're weak, that's going to give you the thoughts you need need in those decisions it's the preserving power of God that keeps if God can keep a Timothy I don't see no witch doctors in here today I don't see no sorcerers in here today with chicken heads and chicken blood throwing everywhere I don't see no voodoo and Ouija boards up in here today I don't see demon-possessed people in here today. Timothy did. Timothy was dealing with warlocks and sorcery and idolatry. And yes, we got that today. But I don't see that in this place today. Timothy was facing things that you and I, I don't think many of us has ever faced. Who's the, who's the, when's the last time you saw a devil-possessed person and it cast out of them? Raise your hand. Not many of us. It's not an everyday occurrence for you and I. For Timothy and Paul, they were rooting out a work that had been so entrenched with demonic activity. See, we're still, people don't understand this, we're still a blessed nation. And much of God is still in North America. That's why you and I ain't dealing with some of that. You step overseas to Somalia and Zimbabwe and all these countries that there's been no apostolic apostle that stepped on. I promise you, you start seeing that. And then in that moment, you start saying, oh God, I need the preserving power of God because I'm facing stuff. Well, we might not see it that bad today, but hear me. You and I are facing things that we never thought we would face. And just as much as the preserving power of God keep some missionary on a foreign field the preserving power of God will keep the faithful saints of North America just like he'll keep a missionary fighting a witch doctor just because I'm not seeing it don't mean I don't need it don't let the enemy make you feel that what you're going through is insignificant. If God puts you in the trial, the storm, the situation, the trouble, he lets you go through it, you need the preserving power of God no matter how difficult it is. And your difficulty is not your difficulty. That's why it's not wise to compare what you're going through compared to him. But I can do this one thing, Brother Roger. You might not have the same battle, and you might not have the same battle. But the preserving power of God is the same for both individuals. Because God's no respecter of person. God ain't looking at the color of your skin. God ain't looking at who your mama and your daddy was. God ain't looking at all. See, we look at the natural, and that's what Paul was trying to do in his best words. Listen, boy, your grandma and your mama are good people. But it didn't work for Timothy. It didn't work. It didn't do enough. If so, Paul would have stopped right there and said, okay, then let's go on. But Paul had to go into something deeper and say, listen, you and I were called with a holy calling. We weren't called by our works. We weren't called because we were good enough. We weren't called because of this. Paul could have quickly, I wonder if right then in the Bible don't say it, but I wonder if Paul somewhere didn't pull Timothy aside and say, son, listen to me. It was under the blood, but I was a murderer. I was a murderer trying to identify, trying to help Timothy say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're facing, Timothy. I know the war in your mind. I know you're wanting to give in and quit. What do you think suicide is? Suicide is somebody giving a big banner saying, I quit. That's all it is. We want to take it in some deep psychological breakdown. No, it's real simple. They just quit. They quit on life. They quit on their family. They quit on the problem. 
because they're tired of fighting the same thing. When I wonder if there could have been a Paul at that moment, that right before they pulled the trigger, Brother Perkins, and a Paul could have said, listen, God's preserving power. He's trying to keep you, but you cocking out, it annuls the preserving power. But as long as I stay in God, as long as I stay in what God has done for me and what God can do, I might not understand how, I might not understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know this is sure. God can preserve. He can keep. He can put a bubble around you, a protection that nothing can come against you. It could destroy you. And he tells Timothy, listen, it's purpose. It's grace. It's in Christ Jesus. It's in serving him. It's in following him. It's in loving him and being obedient to him. Next verse. It's manifested. He's abolished death. He gives him the message. He said, he's brought to light the gospel. The only way for this thing to work, Timothy, where he's leading him to, it works in the gospel. Timothy, you obeyed the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I identify with the gospel? I die like Christ died. I repent. How do I identify with the burial of Christ? I go ba- I'm baptized in Jesus' name. How do I identify with the resurrection of Christ? I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I speak with other tongues. That's the gospel message. The death, the burial, the resurrection. Repentance, Jesus' name, baptism, and Holy Ghost infilling. And as a sign you get the Holy Ghost, you speak a language you've never spoke before. That's supernatural. And he said, you got that, Timothy. And when you have walked over into this place of the supernatural, there's something that is activated. But now watch. Next verse. He said, I'm a preacher. I'm an apostle. I'm all that y'all say that I am. Next verse. But I suffered. He now went to Timothy. Now watch this. And I'm going to go to Kings just real quickly here in a moment. He's trying to show Timothy, here's the faith, here's the supernatural. Here's all the things that I can do, and rightfully so. I'm not negating anything supernatural. Talking in tongues is supernatural. You don't earn it. That's why some people can't get it. They, 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 they don't get the Holy Ghost is because they can't understand this is something God gives you. You don't earn it. It's not a work. It's a gift of God that he gives you, and as a sign you get it, you speak a language you never, that's supernatural. So he was emphatic on these things. Faith of your mother and grandmother. But now Paul says, let me show you something. Here's where this trouble is. The natural. It's not your faith, Timothy. It's not that you're lacking in faith. It's not that you're lacking in the supernatural. The struggle you're having today, Timothy, is the natural. So let me help you with the natural. I suffered some things. I suffered things that, Timothy, I know what you're feeling. See, Paul had suffered so many things up until this point. He had been shipwrecked, he had been rejected, he had been isolated, he had been tortured, he had been persecuted. And not one time, Tyler, did he ever look back and say, It's not worth it. Because Paul knew, because in the natural, if I can look at these natural things that are happening to me and understand, it don't matter what happens to me in the natural, what comes against me in the physical, what comes against me in my mind, I've got a sweet assurance that if I've committed myself to him, God's going to keep me no matter what my mind and my body's telling me. I need to give up. No, no, no. God's keeping power is greater than a giving up spirit. God's keeping power and preserving power is greater than a mindset that says God don't care. God's not for me. When you're in the preserving power of God, those things can't take you out. I've wondered many times they came knocking at the back door today in a church service and armed guards came in. They were going to take us all away for 
congregating today. And they begin to declare, you can't have church service like this anymore. Think about the old, or the New Testament believers, the beginning. Don't preach in his name, Sister Georgia. Because if you preach in his name, something happens. The Bible says that if you keep preaching, you bring in his blood upon us. See, people don't like the name of Jesus because something begins to happen when you speak his name in faith. The Fontenot said this morning, the blood, something about the blood begins to move. The blood begins to manifest itself. You say, well, you're being gory, you're being morbid. No, 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 no. I'm saying it by faith that when I call on the name of Jesus, his blood begins to manifest itself on me and you. I'm telling you what the preserving power of God is. It's the blood of the lamb. And when that blood begins to manifest itself on your life, what are you trying to say, Brother Benoit? I'm saying this. God knows who's his kids. God knows who's his children. God knows who's his, who's the people that said, I've committed everything to you. I've committed my calling to you. I've committed my life. I've committed my family. I've given myself to you. And to those people, it causes something to happen in the supernatural. And Paul said, I've suffered in shipwreck. I've suffered in these struggles. I've suffered in areas of my life. That Timothy, listen, what you're facing, you've got to get this revelation, Timothy. Because if you don't get this revelation, people are going to always get under your skin. People are always going to make you mad. People are always going to cause you to stumble because you got your eye on the wrong thing. You're looking at people. People are full of failure. They're full of faults. They're full of mistakes. You know, you, you say, well, why are people murdered in this world? Why is there abuse? Why is there sexual abuse? Why is there human trafficking? As long as there's evil in this world and there's an individual that wants to be carnal and open themselves to it, the enemy just found them a vessel to pre- 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 perpetrate these evil deeds. But if there's people that will close their spirit to these things and declare, God, I want to serve you. I want to please you. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be front and center. I promise you there's nothing that can go around around you that can cause you and I to stumble or could cause us to fail. Because his preserving power, he said, I've suffered. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I make no apologies Because here's where Timothy was. If I'm a child of God and I'm doing right, why am I going through what I'm going through? I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to serve God. Why do I struggle so hard in my mind, my emotions, my family, relationships? Why is there such a struggle? Paul tries to help him, son, listen, I'm not ashamed to tell you I'm going through things. You see, the thing with Timothy, this is another part that I didn't bear out in the earlier reading, but Timothy was in Lystra when Paul was stoned. Think about it. Here's your father in the gospel the one, your mentor, your pastor, whoever it is you want to call that you trust. And Timothy's in Lystra. That's where he was raised. And Paul is being stoned in Lystra. And Timothy's watching the mob of people, the natural, as they took stones and hurled them against Paul and watching Paul suffer. It would be me, like me taking your children and, and, and throwing rocks and destroying them. And you watching what they're going through. And I'm the representative of God. How can God do that? How can God let that happen? How can God let such a great man like Paul suffer like he's suffering? When he's done everything right, he's committed his life to God. And Timothy is watching Paul suffer. And going, hmm, what did I sign up for? What did I get myself into? I didn't ask for this calling. 
I didn't ask to pastor 50,000 people. I didn't ask to fight Diana and the demons and sorcery and the idolatry of Ephesus. I didn't ask for this. Is this fight that I'm fighting going to get me what it got Paul? And much of the time we don't push in the things of God because we don't want to suffer like Brother Kilgore suffered. We don't want to suffer like this other one. We don't want to suffer like those missionaries suffer overseas. Like Brother Teclamarian that they took his baby and they beat it up against the wall till it died right before his eyes. God, I'm a missionary. I'm called to God. I'm an apostle. And God, they took the baby out of his wife's hands and beat it against the wall. Its brains went everywhere. And we see that. And we hear that. And we go. See, but it don't come like that to us, Bentley. They're not going to come and take that baby and beat it up against. They're not going to take Lincoln and beat him up against the wall. But here's what will happen in the spirit. Fear will start coming against your family of him not belonging well, he's not fitting in with the kids at school. And what you can't see is the enemy's already starting to work just like he was working on old Timothy. He ain't fitting in. He's being bullied. So then you start putting pressure on him to become something he's not. What you just did, you're, you've succumbed to the fear of Ephesus. They're not beating him. They're not going to brash his brains in. But in the spiritual, metaphorically, symbolically, the mind is being beat up against the wall. But I don't want to live for God because look at what's going to cost me. And I want to flip the coin on that and say, but look at what he gets you. Because if God takes that baby, say in five years, God forbid. But God would let that baby go home at, in five years. The best, or let's say 10 years, the best testimony could ever be is that we preach a funeral and say, but he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And everything that he went through, maybe in the natural, you know what? Maybe he went through some things at school and he was bullied, but yet I kept him on the right course. I kept him in the things of God. I kept him in the purpose of God. I kept him doing the things. Timothy was afraid, Bentley. He was afraid. These are the things in the natural through people. We succumb to the peer pressure. We succumb to what people are doing and, and the influences outside the world. Timothy was in trouble. And Paul steps in and says, listen, boy, I've been suffering for a long time. But nevertheless, I make no apologies for what I've been through. The greatest thing you could ever do to your enemy is when you're going through this trial, just smile. Because <laughs> here's why. You make him matter than a hornet's nest. You know what you just said? God's got me. And you can't touch me. As long as I keep my heart obedient to God and I'm trying to live for God, I didn't say perfect. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to sin. We fall. All men sin. Everybody makes mistakes. But I know where my help is. It's at an altar of repentance. And if I can make the mistake, I go to him and say, God, forgive me with a sincere and honest heart of repentance. God will forgive me. And one mistake don't take you out of the preserving power of God. I'm trying to help somebody understand something. You may make a mistake. You may sin against God. It don't mean God's preserving power is over find an altar ask God to forgive you and God will forgive you and the preserving power of God will keep you sister Eliana God will keep you and protect you when man people even you feel the church fails you you hear me God will never never fail you no matter how loud the voice of Ephesus is saying give in give in 
I told her the other day, and I'll be real careful in how I say this. I said, all it'd take, Brother Bushnell, is me to just preach this social gospel. And I'm telling you, we could fill this building up in a day. I'm telling you, it would happen in no time. I'm seeing it already. I'm seeing a social gospel fills, Brother Darrell, the buildings by capacity. Matter of fact, I even heard Brother Tinney make a comment. I was listening to a, a sermon of his, and he made a comment. And it was along those lines about a social gospel or something. I forget exactly how he worded it. And all it would take. So the voices that you're facing is the same voices I'm facing. Just don't. But see, the preserving power of God steps in and says... Keep doing what I called you to do. Keep living what I called you to live. Come on, if it worked for Brother Kilgore, if it worked 60 years ago, that same message works today. I'm going to declare it again. The spirit of conviction still moves in our building. The power of God's healing still moves in our buildings. God is still a healer. God can heal of cancer. God can heal of heart disease. God can heal of any disease. God can heal the mind. God can heal the family. By his stripes we are healed. That word has never changed. That's the preserving power of God. I just got to stay in it. And he says, I know whom, whom, you get it? Whom, not what. I'm going to help somebody right here. 400 times. The Bible calls, in the New Testament, calls Jesus Lord. 33 times it calls him Savior. He can be your Savior and not your Lord. I got the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38, but is he Lord? You can have salvation and him not be Lord of your life in certain areas of your life. We've got to know the whom, not the what. We got the what, Acts 2.38, yeah. One God, hero is of the right God's one God. But do we know the whom that is the one God? Do we know the whom that now fills you and I? That when we spoke with other tongues, it wasn't just a tongue-talking experience, but it was the king of glory, the earnest gift of that being manifested in you. I want him to be Lord over everything in my life. I want him to be Lord over my hearing. I want him to be Lord over my anger. I want him to be Lord over my emotions. I want him to be Lord over everything I do. I want him to be Lord over my praise. Reason I praise him, everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. I want that. that. If I, if I struggle in praising him, Brother Roger, that might be an area of my life he's not Lord. If I struggle in giving him an expression of how good he is, there might be an area of my life he's not Lord. Oh, I may have the Holy Ghost, may or may not. But I want him to be Lord in everything that I do. I want to know the whom. And Paul said, it's the whom. I have believed. So Paul's now telling him, son, here it is. What brought the preserving power of God into my life is I came to terms with whom I put my trust. I'm going to rattle some of your cages right now when I make this statement. My trust, I believe it, but I'm not putting my trust in doctrine. I trust doctrine. I'm trying my best to clarify it. I trust doctrine. I believe doctrine. But my trust is in the whom the doctrine's of. Does that make sense? Because I know a lot of people, they got the doctrine inside and out. They know the word of God inside and out, but they don't know the whom of the word. 
They got the word memorized, but I want to know the whom by which it's talking about. I don't want to just read the word and it just tells me about it. I want to know the man of the word. I want to know it as he's my comforter. That when I didn't have nobody to put their arm around me and say, come on, Scott, you got to get back up again. I found him to be a comforter. I put my trust in the whom. And that brought the preserving power of God to me through the problem. Trying to build somebody's faith today to understand something. Hell can't touch you, Mim, on his best day. I don't care if he got all his little, what you call them little things? I don't care, Brother Joey, if he got all them together. And I mean they came with their sulfuric breath and breathed on you. You could just say, hey. Here's a tic-tac. You can't touch me. I'm trying to, I, I'm not trying to be a comedian here. I'm trying to get you to relax and understand hell can't touch you on his best day. Hell can't touch your mind, your family. You say, well, then why am I struggling? I'm going to tell you why you're struggling. You're in the flesh. You're human. And we're born with trouble in the flesh. But you got to turn your hope to him. God ain't never going to put more on you that you can't bear. But give you strength and a preserving power to bring you through. Well, I ain't going to get to Kings. Come back, and I'll tell you about Kings and Elijah. But Paul said, there's a whom I believed, and I, here's the question you ask yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you persuaded? Come on, we Facebook in church. You can talk in church. Ask him, are you persuaded? Ask, turn to the next neighbor and say, are you? Turn to the other side and say, hey, are you persuaded? Because the Lord's asking people here today, could it be that we're so fearful and timid and condemned because we're not persuaded that the God that called us can keep us? You don't think he knows your bad attitude? Oh, come on, somebody. Don't act all holy. There ain't one wing in this place, including this preacher. You don't think he knows your negative attitude? You don't think he knows the last time you were on that road and you got all ugly and started saying words in your car that you wish nobody heard, but there was a bug in your car? Because ah, I heard some of y'all saying some cuss words. You think God don't know all of that? You think he don't? Well, please, listen, I'm closing. I ain't going to Kings. Don't get nervous. We off our fast. I'm going to eat. You don't think he knows your fear? Come on, Timothy. You don't think he knows? You think God don't see the time you had those adulterous thoughts? You don't think God didn't see the time you wanted to commit suicide? The thought came. You ain't even told your wife. You don't think the thought didn't run through a mind of just, I want to give my kids up for adoption? See, I know who I hit on that one. <laughs> By the laugh, I know who I hit. Hello, Sister April. Raise your hand. I'm right there with you. Hey, me and Jesus. Hey, I'll go down with you. Uh-huh. I thought a time or two. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think God don't know all that stuff, folks? I'm trying to help you to understand. If God knows our thoughts, our feelings, our, our animosity, you think, Brother Head, God don't know the people you don't like? You think he don't know? He already knows that. He already knows the people you get around, and when you get around them, you want to just, so you stay away. You think God is blind? He knows all of these things, and he still loves us. And he still preserves why he called you.
you're here today by a call of God. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're now a son and a daughter of God. There's verse one of these words in here. I forget which one I looked up. Let me see if I can remember. Maybe it's persuaded. I don't remember. I got it wrote down. I don't care. It's, but here's what it means. Father and like a parent. I think it's commit. It's like a parent. And what he's saying is, if you're my son, you're always my son. I'm always your daddy. When you're born again and filled with the Holy That's why people that say new birth don't matter. You got to be filled with because you got the birth. I got the first birth of her. But that don't make me a son of God. But when I'm born a second time of water and spirit, I now become a son of God. Not Jesus. Don't misquote me. I become now a part of his bloodline. Well, what does that entail? What does that mean, Brother Roger? Here's what it means. He filled me with a purpose. He didn't fill me just so I can have a tongue-talking jamboree. He filled me that now I'm a son that I can fulfill the purpose of God. And he knows every weakness of me. He knows every struggle of me. He knows every struggle I have in my mind. And here's what he said. I tell you what I'm going to do. If you can be persuaded and trust me, you're always going to be my son. No matter what you do, I'll preserve you. I'll keep you. I'll protect you no matter what. This at least y'all come. And Paul's trying to impart to him. That's why he used that word, committed father. Because Timothy was his father in the gospel. And he's saying, Timothy, I'm like your daddy. And I'm exemplifying to you through what I've suffered. And I'm coming to you encouraging you saying, just like a daddy would do. You're preserved. You're protected. As long as you stay persuaded and trusted. I'll go as far as to say this. Even in that element, it don't, dis- it don't annul you or disown you because you have a day of struggling in trust. You know, Sister Chenault taught this, and I've used this before. There's a difference between faith and trust. Faith has an objectable end. Faith. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for my healing. I'm believing God for my family. I believe, that's an objective, uh, objectable end. I know, that's faith. Trust is a subjective end. I trust in whatever. That's trust. And when you can say, God, whatever you want... I trust you. And many of us are between faith and trust. My faith's in him today. I'm here. But tomorrow, the bottom falls out. And it's like, I still got faith. God going to help me. But I'm just not quite sure the how. You know what? It's okay. Because you're trying to trust him in spite of what you cannot see. I don't know the outcome. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know the end of this story, but I know one thing is sure. His preserving power is going to keep me through no matter what I go through. My mind's going to be all right. My family's going to be all right. I'm not going to go by what's happening in the natural. I'm not going to go by what they're saying or what they're doing. Come on, don't let people become your measuring stick. Let God be the measuring stick. I'm going to trust him no matter what happens, no matter what goes wrong what no matter what goes right my emotions are not based on what right or wrong it's based on who he is stand with he said I'm persuaded and he closes it out with this to keep me until that day I asked somebody here today. Here's the question. Why do we come to church? The reason we come to church should be one reason. I want to make heaven. See Jesus. Relationship with Jesus. Here and ultimately make there. And in the meanwhile, I come to church because I get the information, the word of God, the feeding, what I need to maintain strength to the ultimate 
But I tell you what, I'm going to put my head on the block here, Brother Bush, now. You know what? There's been days in my walk with God, I didn't know if I was going to make it. If God came at that moment, and I'm preaching, I didn't know if I'd make it because of something in me. A long time ago, God gave me this message. I don't think I've ever preached it. Not that I can recall. Wrote it out, but never preached it. But I remember when he gave it to me. It was in that moment. And Brother Roger, I'll be honest. If the Lord would have came at that very second, there were things in my mind, my heart, my attitude. I'll be honest. I questioned, Lord, am I ready? Here's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. God's got an ability to preserve you and keep you until that day. God's going to do whatever it takes to get me and you right for his coming. You don't have to worry about, man, God's going to see fit. He's going to let a little trouble come. He's going to let a little problem come. He'll let a little sickness come. He'll let something come that gets you and I to a place. Lord, I need to really start realizing and thinking on what really matters. I want to please you. He's trying to tell Timothy, Timothy, listen, just give it what you got. God's going to protect you. Be persuaded. These are God's people. This is God's city. Just make sure you're ready until that day. I don't know about you, but there's ever been a time, Brother Bush and I started looking at what really matters. Call it age, whatever. What really matters? Did I please God today? And if I can lay my head on the pillow at the end of the day and say, you know what? I pleased him today. Let me tell you what, that's a good day. Is there anybody here today that your heart just wants to turn to him and say, God, I just want you to know today I love you and I thank you today. If you're here today, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. But for people here today that you're just kind of in a storm, a whirlwind, and you just want to let God know, God, I trust you. I love you. I believe in your preserving, keeping power that's going to keep me through it. I want you to come today. I invite everybody from the back to the front. This is, there's nobody we're singling out here today. This is for everybody. Why don't you just all come together as a family today? And let's come with a mindset and a heart turn that says, God, I see you today like I've never seen it before. You're really going to keep me. You're going to protect me. You're going to preserve me through everything that I go through. And for that, I'm eternally grateful and thankful today. Come on, come, lift your voice. Lift your hands today. And let's just tell God with an honest heart, an honest heart, a transparent heart, God, you know me, Lord. Come on, I said it earlier. There's nothing you and I can hide from God. He knows our hidden anger. He knows our hidden resentment. He knows what we're mad about. He knows what we're happy about. He knows what bothers us. He knows it all. Why don't we just turn to him and say, God, help me get through some of these things and preserve me, God, that ultimately I'm going to make heaven my home. Ministers, help me today. I need some ministering brethren. Just find somebody, pray with them. Encourage them today. Encourage them today. Find somebody, encourage them, and pray with them today. I feel such an encouraging of the Lord here today in this place.